episode 92, Microsoft's free Seeing AI app helps blind iPhone and iPad users with visual tasks. And now, it's got LiDAR. I speak with Seeing AI founder Sakib Sheikh, and then we go for a walk around Mosentars to show off Seeing AI's new world channel. It's an app that has pride of place on the home screens of many blind iPhone users, helping us quickly skim through the mail or distinguish the baked beans from the peaches, making sure that the kids haven't left the lights on, and much more. Microsoft's Seeing AI app makes many practical daily challenges easier. Little wonder then that it was the brainchild of a blind person. Initially, some of us thought that it was just a proof of concept from Microsoft that was unlikely to see ongoing development. That just hasn't been the case. This free gift to the blind community continues to get better and better, now with a feature that shows off the new LiDAR sensor in Apple's iPhone 12 Pro and Pro Max. Now, that blind person that I spoke of is Sakib Sheikh, and he joins me from Microsoft. Hi, Sakib. It's really great to have you back on the podcast. Hi, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to be here. Can we talk a little bit about you and your background first? Because if I'm remembering correctly, the first time that you and I encountered each other was at Site Village, and um, you were you were quite a young guy then. Wow, that was many years ago. But yes, I was still in school and always interested in technology since I was in my early teens, learning to program and all that. So your voice was familiar from um, the internet, and it was great to meet you all the way back then. What got you into this technology space and eventually to Microsoft? Right in the beginning, I think many of us learned to type at a young age, if you can't see. It's your way of communicating. And so that was really important to me, you know, as a 10-year-old. Could I type and share stories that I'd written with my parents, that kind of thing? And then I got into programming as a sort of creative endeavor. I went to a school for the blind in the UK And there are all these activities that required adult supervision. But then when I got my first laptop, this was something I could do in my bedroom by myself, make programs. And I just got hooked. I really enjoyed that. What kind of things did you do back then? What were your early programming initiatives? Some of the first ones were, you know, again, at 13 or so, there was a program which I sold around the school for doing different conversions, like, you know, volume or... I can't even remember, different mathematical equations. And then there was a DOS-based telephone directory and those kind of things. So for you to have ended up at Microsoft must have been just an, an incredible validation. I mean, if you're a software developer ending up with a job at one of those big tech companies that has such an impact on the lives of the planet, it must have been a, a really big day for you, a really big deal. It really was. And... It was the beginning of many adventures, but as you say, it was a, it was a proud moment, and uh, just to know that I could make it in the mainstream. And clearly a tribute to the talent that Microsoft could see you had. Now, let's talk about Seeing AI, which is an app many of us love. For those who haven't heard the story before, give us a bit of the history of how Seeing AI came to be. Uh, so as I was saying, it was a proud moment to join Microsoft. But for many of those early years, maybe up to my first 10 years at Microsoft, it was all about, you know, how do I prove that I, as um, someone who's blind, could be successful in the workplace, as I believe I was. But there was this hackathon where 
we were invited to spend a week coming up with whatever idea you wanted. And this was kind of a turning point where I felt I'm blindness, accessibility, this has always been my hobby and my passion. Why don't I make this something that I do at work? And so back then I put together bits of AI that was available at the time around Microsoft to come up with a rudimentary app which did some of the things that seeing AI does today. And that was successful. I won a prize in that hackathon. But it really took off the next year when I met a number of colleagues in Silicon Valley who were interested in this field as well, including some really great people. And that sort of started a motion where people around the company got involved, contributing their skills and their passion and energy. And eventually, you know, my manager said, hey, you can have a couple of months to prove what you can do. And then we got on stage with the CEO and the rest is history. And it's been a great journey since. It's a remarkable story. So did you anticipate when you came up with that concept and it was developed at the hackathon that it would eventually become an actual iOS app that people could get from the App Store? I think at that point, it was very much just thing solving problems that I had in my personal life. Many of these things were not brand new, but I I had challenges in the workplace and I w- thought, you know, I would like to make this just for myself. I hadn't really thought ahead to what form it would take. It is really telling, isn't it, how often it is that these breakthrough products are devised by blind people themselves. When you look back at the history of assistive technology, there are so many watershed moments when something important, something new and, and radical almost, was created by a user of the technology, because who better to determine what the unmet need is? Yes, absolutely. There's so, so many examples, um, you know, from text-to-speech and speech recognition, OCR, the touchscreen keyboard, and the touchscreen itself. You know, there's stories behind of each of these where someone with a need, someone with a disability and a need, meets someone with the ability to create. And, you know, that's a powerful formula. Is the name Seeing AI yours? Because it's quite a clever name, isn't it? It's a great pun. It's a, when I first heard it, I thought, oh, that's a sort of terrible pun that I would come up with. <laughs> and now I must say, first of all, you know, while I started it in those early days, there's so many people who've contributed to uh, just to say that. But we had this meeting where so many different names were thrown out. And I don't know who came up with Seeing AI, but it was not mine in the beginning. I wish I wish I remembered who it was, but um, I, I do like it now. It's grown on me a lot. You've really pushed the envelope with this app. I think, obviously, of the OCR, uh, that's pretty standard. I mean, it's useful, and it's kind of like a Swiss Army knife having the two forms of OCR in the app and, and barcode scanning. But then you've got the more ambitious things that are a lot more AI-focused, such as the people recognition feature and various other things. Where do you think AI is taking us in terms of being of real practical benefit to blind people every day? We're always talking to a number of people, all our customers, um, love to hear from all of the listeners, hearing about what are people's problems and then talking to the scientists and seeing, you know, what's the latest emerging technologies we can leverage. And I see our team's role as putting those two together. And I do hope that, you know, this is maybe many years away, but 
we can solve more and more of these problems. We will, I feel like we're just touching um, the surface of what's possible. So if you can think of any challenge that you face, how could that be made even easier as someone who's blind? We want to eventually get there. Whether that is, I know we can think of inaccessible appliances or navigating around or, and I'm not saying we're working on any of these. These are just big, broad areas of things. And even OCR, while we have good OCR, I'm not that convinced. I feel there's a lot better that could be done as you're walking down the street, knowing what all the things around you you are without relying on a database or anything. Or I could throw out so many other examples where the AI just isn't good enough today. Yes, I'm really intrigued by the increasing capability intelligence of artificial intelligence. I mean, there are services like Ira, for example, where you have a real live human being guiding you around the place. And I imagine that we are getting to the point, just like with automated vehicles, for example, self-driving vehicles, that AI will be able to increasingly be more intuitive and sort of describe the things around us that intuitively a human being knows that you need to know about. Exactly. So when I'm walking around with a family member or a friend um, being guided by holding their elbow, not only will they tell me what's around me, they'll tell me what's important at that moment in time. They'll know what they've told me about before and what's of interest to me personally. So, you know, if I support a sports fan and there's um, a group of people wearing the t-shirts of that sport, they might tell me that. Or if there's our favorite restaurant that's boarded up, might tell me that, but not everything. So it's, I often think of this AI being a little friend on my shoulder, whispering in my ear. That's my vision for the future. And it's a way away, but um, remote assistance apps like Ira and Be My Eyes, they definitely fill in some of that today. And bit by bit by bit over the years, I look forward to more and more of that being supported by AI. So that if we don't have someone around, then we still have that experience. And of course, that brings up the question of how the information can be picked up by seeing AI. And I think I'm right in saying that in some of the initial promotional videos that you did for seeing AI, you were wearing or envisaging glasses. Do you still think that that's really the next big thing for apps like seeing AI, that there will be a viable glass product that allows you to uh, get information hands-free? Absolutely. That's definitely where my vision for seeing AI type technologies is in the future, because you don't want to be holding something up all the time. The phone happens to be something that most people have, and it's in your pocket all the time. And it's really good for accessing certain tasks. But if we had glasses or some kind of wearable, then it would be just way more natural. But then you have all the challenges of cost and physics of how big can you make it and heavy and battery life and all these things which we're always looking at. And I do hope there will be the right solution at the right time in the future. In terms of the features that have arrived in Seeing AI just before the end of 2020, you know, many of us were quite excited by, first of all, the persistent rumors that LiDAR technology was going to make its way into the uh, iPhones, the Pro range. And then, of course, we got the big announcement. Your mind must have been ticking over when you were given the possibility of working with LiDAR. Yeah, this is really exciting because 
LiDAR basically sends out beams of light and measures how long they take to come back if we simplify things. So it means that you can know how far away the things around you are and combine that with the other sensors in the iPhone. For example, of course, the camera, which we can use to recognize things, and the accelerometer and the other motion sensors to the gyroscope to let you know where things are and how the phone's moving. And you stitch all this together, you get this audio augmented reality possibility where we know not only what's around you, but where it is. And so that's really exciting. How precise is it? I mean, can you get right down to pretty much the, the square inch in terms of knowing where something is? I wouldn't say the square inch, but it's definitely, I would say six inches. We haven't done any precise measurements, but I say, you know, within six inches, um, things seem to be accurate. When you combine that degree of precision with object recognition, that's really where you start to see the magic that seeing AI is already delivering. Right, and this is where we started off. So we thought there are many, many um, problems or challenges we could tackle. And we decided to go for this idea of you're in an unfamiliar room, an unfamiliar environment. Can we tell you about the different objects around you? And object recognition is notoriously still evolving. But already we can recognize a number of objects. And with the LiDAR and augmented reality, we can know where the things are. And so it uses spatial audio to place the sound at the location of the object. And so if you're in a room, it might say sofa to your front left and sofa to your back right. And in this way, go through all the different objects around you. And that just really gives you a whole new understanding and dimension uh, rather than just pointing your phone and knowing what's straight ahead. What realistic expectations should people have of the kind of objects that Seeing AI is detecting at the moment? For example, when the app dropped, I got it and I walked around the house and I tell you, it was absolutely incredible. I mean, it was kind of like seeing with your ears, um, just knowing precisely where everything was in the stereo spectrum. It was mind-blowing. And then I thought, oh, I'll take this to the supermarket. You know, we were doing some shopping before the holidays and not not so well there. So this is all very much experimental and early, so, and it's going to be evolving over time. Today, it will recognize more things in a home environment, possibly to some extent in an office. Because of COVID, of course, in New Zealand, you're very lucky, but many yeah. people in the world are still at home. So we optimized for kind of home, hotels, possibly office, and that's going to be evolving over time. So, for example, if I have an appointment and I go into an office building and I'm looking forward to trying this, actually, then it should be possible, do you think, for me to certainly find doors, but possibly even, what, find a counter as well to, say, get to the reception desk, something like that? Well, and again, because I'm in the US at the moment and not going out much, I haven't tried that specifically, but that is definitely one of the key scenarios I'm hoping for, is you walk in, you can find a reception desk, either using the LiDAR to know, to be able to feel how far away things are. We have a proximity sensor that will make your phone vibrate more intensely when things are closer. But then also you'll see there's a person there. Or if you want to find the waiting area, then, you know, there'll be perhaps a group of 
chairs over to the other side, and as you say, a door to go into the main part. So that's one of the key scenarios that we're thinking of, or, you know, similarly, you walk into a hotel and you want to find where you're going to check in. And yeah, those are interesting scenarios we're going to get to for sure. One of the things I can talk with you about, because you're a blind person like most of us listening to this, is some people say to me, this technology is really cool and not this just doesn't apply to seeing AI, but a range of apps like this. But people feel a little bit self-conscious about having their camera out there, I guess, uh, high enough, prominent enough, so that the camera can have a view of a blind person's field of view. And I guess my response to that has been, well, a lot of sighted people are using their cameras for all kinds of things in public, selfies, whatever it might be. Is that a factor that you will think about when you're in a position to be able to get out and about again, that you're essentially sort of flailing this phone around so you can get a view of the world and people may get the idea that, oh gosh, they're being filmed or something like that? Yeah, this is a very real concern. And I've heard from, uh, this is separate to seeing AI type technologies, but I've heard from colleagues who are like, oh, there's a man over there and he's recording and I feel uncomfortable. So, But I was like, how do you know that? And so you can just tell when someone's holding a phone to use the camera. And similarly for a blind person, I would like to think that it would be a conversation starter. So if we can educate people that this is a tool that is of value to someone who's blind, and again, not everyone's going to ask, but if they do, then it's an opportunity to explain to people that, yeah, we're using a camera, and but we're not recording you, we're not filming you, we're not saving this. Uh, we are doing this. This is a assistive technology for us. One of the things that I really like about uh, the new Seeing AI, and this is in the World Channel, this is where the LiDAR technology is available, is this beacon concept. Can you explain how that works? Yes. So this is the idea that once you know where something is, you can place a beacon on it. So you place beacon and select it from the list. And now you'll hear a sound emanating from that place in 3D. So if you move the phone left and right, you will hear the audios coming from where the object is. I'm not sure how well I'm describing this. You can, um, I'll clarify if needed. And then you can walk to it. So Right now, this is most useful for, let's suppose there's a door that you're going to want to walk through. So once you've located the door, you can place a beacon on it. And even if you're going left and right to avoid some furniture or other things, then you're still in your headphones. You've got the beacon playing and it will guide you to that thing. But you can think of other samples, examples where you want to find something like, you know, something you've dropped or a child's toy uh, some other scenarios, and it could be equally useful there. Does the beacon still apply when you're long out of range? In other words, you know, if, you, if, if you've driven somewhere with your significant other who was sighted and you go your separate ways and you want to get back, say, to where the car is parked, is it able to do that at this point? Not at this moment in time. That's one of the things we've heard a couple of times uh, from users since we launched and we're definitely thinking about, you know, how that could be built into the experience. So kind of like, you know, setting a point and saying, this is a home point that I want to return to would be quite cool. Like someone said, you know, 
if you're in a busy restaurant and you go to the restroom and want to find your way back to your chair, that's not a scenario we'd ever thought of. But since you put this out there, I, I thought, you know, that's a really good use case for this. And this is really the first attempt that you've made, the Seeing AI team has made at working with LiDAR. And you got it up pretty quickly, really, all things considered. It uh, didn't take too long to get the sound. Yeah, we'd been working on it for quite a while before the iPhone 12 came out. And and yeah, their, their team's been working incredibly hard. And while we've released this World Channel, to me, this is the beginning of something new, where when we launched Seeing AI in 2017, it really broke new ground in terms of computer vision for people who are blind. And in the same way, I feel this is our first step into this 3D world understanding for people who are blind. And that goes beyond the LiDAR to this whole idea of if the phone, if the AI can build a model of what's around you and then let you interact with that, there are a whole bunch of new possibilities which are going to open up in the upcoming months and years. At the moment, am I correct in saying there's not a combination of say, the people channel and this. So if you've trained seeing AI to recognize a specific individual, is it going to tell you that a specific individual is in the view? Um, No, that's not there today, but it's something that's on our list that we're going to get to hopefully quite soon. Because, I mean, that's a pretty compelling case for the beacon technology as well. If you're going to meet somebody at a crowded venue, a restaurant or a hotel or something like that, and you can flag somebody as someone who you want to catch up with, and then because because you've got the photo there and seeing AI, that would be quite impressive. Yeah, that'd be so cool. And as I say, that's not something that's there in this first version. We want to just put something out there to show what's possible, but it's something I'm excited to have because it really, in a sense, gives you that autonomy. So there was a situation some time ago where I was meeting a VP at Microsoft and I sent them an email in advance saying, hey, you know, I can't see and I'll be standing in this corner and look out for me. But I want to get to this point where you don't want to be making a request like that and you can be scanning the atrium and confidently walk up to the person and put your hand out to shake their hand. And so it's cool to be able to find people, but I think there's this sort of deeper idea of autonomy and you get what I mean. Absolutely, because it's leveling the playing field, isn't it? Otherwise, the first time that you know that that person you're having the meeting with is there is when they call your name or perhaps you're really busy with your phone or whatever so they tap you on the shoulder you don't have the same degree of warning that a sighted person has that the person you're meeting with is approaching exactly i've definitely had that where i've got cane in one hand phone in the other busy you know scrolling through emails and suddenly there's this someone you want to impress and you're juggling things and trying to get a hand free (laughs) yes definitely been there and That's really good. How much more will we see, do you think, in the near future with the LiDAR technology? I mean, does seeing AI basically operate on a release schedule or do things come out just when they're done and when they're ready? Um, Much more the latter. We're always trying new things and um, giving them to our testers and so forth. So there's no specific schedule, but as we have new and exciting things that we think are ready to share with the community, then they'll be coming out and as ever, love to hear how people are using this and what they find useful. And then, you know, 
I kind of see this as building this together because especially with something like this that depends on the physical world around you and the situation with COVID, more than ever before, this can only be this sort of partnership of the blind community with the Seeing AI team. So we can find those situations and find what works. How do people have inputs into what happens with Seeing AI? What's the process for doing that? Uh, the best thing is to email us, seeingai at microsoft.com. Now, this technology at the moment, the LiDAR feature, is only available in the 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max. So there's quite a small number of blind people who have those devices right now. And it looks as if Apple may be extending LiDAR in future uh, iPhones to go beyond just the Pro devices. What sort of feedback have you had to date on the, the LiDAR features? Yes, um, a clarification also. It also works on the iPad 2020, iPad Pro. But oh, very good point. I agree. Yep. yep, there's other, I don't think many people are using it. There's mainly the iPhone 12. Yeah, feedback has been really good. People have really enjoyed the spatial audio experience for knowing what's around you. And then, as I say, we've just been hearing from people about the scenarios they find it useful for and where they'd like to use it in the future. And I think to date, finding doors, finding chairs, these are some of the things we've been hearing people enjoying the most. Now, there are other things that are new in this release and that you continue to work on progressively. For example, the new camera technology that is in some of the newer iPhones allows you to work with a much wider field of view. And I imagine that has implications for several of the Seeing AI channels. Um, yeah, absolutely. So we've increased the field of view by also changing so it means that you have to scan around less. So as you're recognizing a barcode, for example, we have the beeps that get faster the closer you are to the barcode. But with the wider field of view, you might have to scan around even less because it can see more in one go. What determines whether it's likely that a barcode is going to be recognized? For example, I do from time to time, actually quite regularly now, um, see barcodes on packages that we get from our supermarkets here in New Zealand that whatever database seeing AI is using doesn't seem to know about. Yeah, so you can recognize, you know, tens of millions of products, but that's not all the products in the world by any, any means. And so we rely on a database that tells us what the item is or any additional information like cooking instructions or nutritional data. And as a bit of a side project, I'm always trying to think like, you know, how can we solve this problem for everyone? Because we're seeing AI, it's about making the app better. But I think a part of the reason the app exists is to solve these problems for everyone. And I still find it surprising that so many years after accessible barcode scanners first came out, there is no standard and no publicly available way of recognizing every barcode in the world. Can object recognition help to some degree with that, do you think, potentially? I think so. So... But again, it requires, we can certainly say, you know, use OCR and things like that to read what the name of the product is, though often that is in very fancy writing like a logo. However, as we get larger and larger databases of images of products, that could be another approach that we can take and that will help. But I think often the challenge is there are small retailers where they have their own brand products. And 
So the, I, the database of either the photos or the barcodes are only known by that one supermarket or grocery chain. I guess one of the good things is that with the wider field of view, it is definitely easier to get the barcode now than it used to be. You get slightly frustrated when you know, you hear those beeps and you try and try to get the barcode perfectly in the view to have it snap the picture only to find that it doesn't know what it is but now it does seem like it's much easier to actually capture the barcode in the first place so that's that's real progress yeah and we're always working to recognize more of those products so you know we we make a note when something's not recognized so that we can get an idea of how we can recognize more and more of those products how's the people detection feature going I find this really interesting. And I mean, apart from anything else, it is a good party trick to uh, use seeing AI to show somebody what the app thinks they are, you know, 36-year-old woman (laughs) with blonde hair looking happy. Um, And uh, I've actually done radio interviews where I've um, been talking about assistive technology with people. So they're interviewing me. I'm not interviewing them. And we've, we've taken out seeing AI and taken a picture of the interviewer on the air. And it's great. But how is that for accuracy? Has that evolved over time? It has somewhat. But what we've learned over time is that This is perceived age and gender, and that's not always accurate because in the same way, so the way AI works is you show it many, many photos and a human will actually give the correct answers so it can find the patterns for the future. And so what we've learned is how old someone is depends on the person who gave the perceived answer in the beginning and cultural factors and Often this works surprisingly well, but it doesn't work in every case 100% accurately, and same with gender. And you know, there are other questions around, is that the right thing to be doing? Because if there's someone who's blind, then how much are they relying on this information, and does it need to be 100% accurate? So something we're always looking at, and we're learning a lot about as AI in the whole industry advances and develops. And how much information to disclose, I suppose, as well? I mean, for for example, as an employer, if somebody turns up to a job interview, I'm kind of quite interested in, are they well presented? Have they made an effort? Actually, as a blind person, it's very difficult to get that information. Uh, But to be fair, if you got your camera out and took a picture of an interview subject, they're unlikely to be pretty happy. But you, you do sometimes wonder sort of, okay, so this is what the app thinks is the age and gender, but how are they dressed, for example? You know, and, and, and is it appropriate to try and have a go at uh, providing that information? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I've certainly myself often wondered, hey, what, is, what are the people around me wearing? How are they presenting themselves? Um, and an important thing that we always keep in mind and that we've, again, learned over time is, Instead of making the judgment such as this person is well-dressed or this person is happy, how do we move more to this world of describing what's there and enabling the user to make their own judgments? And that's an interesting point that we're learning in seeing AI, but I think the industry as a whole is understanding that really the power comes from giving a human information and then the human and uh, AI working together. 
Yes, it's not up to the app to make a subjective judgment, is it, about whether somebody's well-dressed or not. So it's important that that information is as objective as possible. Exactly, yes. And as a blind person, it's always interesting, how do you convey all the information you have with the limited time that speech allows you? And, you know, with our new world channel, we started to, you know, use haptics for distance and things like that. So we're always looking at, you know, what are the different ways you can convey the most information? And one of the things I have noticed, because much as I wish people would add text descriptions using the feature that Twitter provides, the reality is that many don't. And particularly, I have some sympathy for journalists in high pressure situations. When you recognize a photo with seeing AI in that scenario using the share sheet, which is a feature I absolutely love, you do actually sometimes have celebrities, people who are well-known, politicians in particular, identified by name, which is really quite helpful, as well as an overall description of the scene. Yeah, that's really useful. As you say, politicians or um, celebrities who appear in the news. So yeah, when you when you see that photo on Twitter, um, it will describe who the people are in the photo as well. Now, my Android using listeners require me to have a go at asking you this one. Do you think that seeing AI will ever come to Android or is it likely in the future to remain strictly iOS? Yeah, we get a lot of requests from people using Android. And as a small team, it's always that decision of, of you know, do we do new experiments on iOS, try new features, new experiences, um, versus with a small team focusing on Android. So we have no plans at this time uh, for doing that, but we also hear that this is something a lot of our customers want. And of course, as we have heard on this podcast, there is actually an app from Google itself, which does some of the things that uh, Seeing AI is doing. So it's not as if there are no options in that space and, and third-party apps as well. So Seeing AI is available for free in the iOS App Store in many countries now, right? You've localized it to a lot of languages and markets. Yeah, it's available in many, many countries. I forget the exact count. Um, but then we've also localized it to 16 different languages. Fantastic. We look forward to finding out what comes next. And uh, congratulations on getting this LiDAR material out so quickly because it's fascinating to play with. And I think it shows us where we're going. So we look forward to seeing what evolves with Seeing AI and I appreciate you coming on the podcast. No, thank you very much for this opportunity. It's, yeah, really exciting times with AI in general and the LiDAR in particular. This is just our first experimental feature in this area. And, you know, do let us know how you're using this and how you would like to use it in the future, seeingai at microsoft.com. I'll take you on a very quick tour of the Seeing AI app in general, but we'll spend most of our time taking a look at this world channel that is now available to iPhone 12 Pro and iPhone 12 Pro Max customers. But if you've not used Seeing AI, perhaps you don't have an iPhone, we'll briefly show you how it works. And then I'm going to leave the studio and we're going to walk around Mosin Towers. This is going to be quite the stereophonic experience. So if you don't have headphones on already, I highly recommend getting some before we get to that point. But let's open the app. Open Seeing AI. The app's opened now, and it's taken me to the default short text feature. When we're in here, 
we can hold the camera up to anything that has text and Seeing AI will read it in real time. I find this reliable and really quick and easy to use when I want to scan text on packaging or if there's some mail that's come and I want to quickly just check what that mail is, it generally gives me the idea of what the mail contains. If I want to do a serious job of doing a scan of that mail, I'll go to the next channel. Now, the way to change channels is to do a four-finger tap towards the bottom of the screen, and that takes you to the last item of the screen in iOS. Channel, short text, adjustable. And we've got the short text channel, and it's on an adjustable item. So to get to the next channel, all I have to do is flick up. Document. And welcome to the document channel. This gives you some guidance when you hold the camera over a printed page in an attempt to make sure that you're going to take the full picture. And once you have the document in the field of view, then the picture is automatically taken. You can also override that process and take a manual picture if you can't quite get a good enough view according to Seeing AI. If I flick up one more time, product. we've got the product channel that scans barcodes. You hear a tone when a barcode is in view of the camera and that tone gets more rapid as you get the barcode increasingly in the view until you get to the point where the barcode is automatically recognized. And if Seeing AI has a match for the barcode in the database to which it has access, it'll tell you what the product is. You'll often get additional information about that product, such as nutritional information. I'll flick up. Person. And this is person. This is where you can take a picture of someone and it describes the person to you. You can also add people to Seeing AI's database of people. Currency. Flicking up one more time gives me currency. That's pretty self-explanatory. Seeing AI recognizes a range of currencies and you can choose which one it should be looking for. And then you can put currency in the field of view of the camera and it will tell you what it sees. One of the tricks that I've found quite helpful with this one is to turn the phone so that it's face down and hold the money above the camera. For whatever reason, that gives me really reliable results and I can scan through quite a few bills in quick succession. Scene preview. When you hear the word preview after a channel name, you know that Microsoft considers this to be quite experimental. And this takes a picture of what the camera can see and does its best to describe it for you. World preview. We're going to come back to the world channel because that's going to be the main focus of this demo. If I flick up one more time. Green. As you can Red. hear, this is the color detector. I just have the phone lying on the desk at the moment. If I pick the phone right. up and move it around, White. it's seeing all sorts of colors. White and gray. Here we go. Gray. If I look down at the carpet. White. Is it a white carpet? I actually have no idea. Gray. I'll put the phone back on the desk. Black. So that's the color detector. I'll flick Brown. up. Handwriting preview. This recognizes handwriting, and again, Microsoft considers this experimental, so it's got the preview moniker associated with it. It does a pretty good job, actually, of recognizing handwriting. Light. This is the light detector, and if I pick up the phone and move it around, there's quite a lot of light. The higher the pitch, the more light you have, and I'm in the studio right now, and it's a beautiful sunny day here in Wellington, New Zealand, and... So there's lots of light and I've laid the phone on the desk. The camera is now right on the desk. So it's basically not seeing much. Now I'm going to flick back down. Handwriting, preview, color, preview, world, preview. And we're on the world channel. That's what we're interested in today. I'll go to the top of the screen with a four finger single tap. Menu, button, proximity sensor, button. I'm flicking right. Now when I double tap the proximity sensor button, 
which is a feature available on the iPhone, but not iPad, there's no proximity sensor on the iPad, then you'll feel vibrations that give you an understanding of how close objects are around you. That's an optional feature. At the moment, I have that turned off, and I'll probably keep that feature off because it's quite hard to demonstrate in audio. Quick help button. Next is the quick help button, and we'll take a look at what Microsoft has to say about this world channel. So I'll double tap it. World heading. And flick right. Done button. This channel features the latest artificial intelligence and augmented reality to provide an overview of an unfamiliar space in 3D using spatial audio. You can hear which objects are detected in the room, place an audio beacon on a specific object to locate it, and use the proximity sensor, not available on iPads, to feel how far away things are. This work is still experimental, so please use caution. Scan the room by slowly moving your phone around, keeping the phone upright, with the screen towards you. Be sure to also look in the same direction as the camera for spatial audio. You will hear the names of objects which are detected as they come into view. When wearing headphones, you will hear object names spoken from their location in the room, such as the word chair coming from the chair itself. After scanning the environment, tap the spatial summary button to hear all detected objects around you. You can place an audio beacon on a detected object, and follow the audio cues to locate it. This may be useful to find a previously detected door or chair, for example. The proximity sensor, available on devices which support haptics, allows you to feel the distance to things around you. You will feel a deep rumbling, which will get more intense as you approach a surface. We are continuing to evolve this experience. To help us improve it, please send us your feedback. At the bottom of the screen, we have this. Check headphones button. A check headphones button. That's important because you need to make sure that what you are getting in the left channel, in your left earphone, is in fact the left. Otherwise, you're going to get a reverse image type situation and that's not going to be helpful. So there is this test headphones button. Now, this particular build of Seeing AI, I found this button a bit unreliable, a bit hit and miss. Sometimes I press it and it works and at other times it doesn't. So I'm going to turn speech off. Speech off. And press the button now. Left ear. Right ear. There we go. Worked like a charm when I turned speech off like that. So it said left ear and right ear. And if you're following along on headphones, hopefully you are hearing everything where it should be before we start this demo. So now I am going to grab a lapel mic because I've only got so many hands and clip that lapel mic on me and we will go for a walk around Mosin Towers. I'm sitting at my desk now and if I pan to screen. my left here, what have we got? A screen. So that's right. The monitor for the studio PC is right in front of me. So you can hear pretty People. much dead center that there's a screen there. If I just look slightly to my left, window. there's a window on my left, and you can hear in the left channel window. that it is saying window. What I'm doing for this, by the way, is holding out the camera in front of me at around about chest height, perhaps a little higher. So window I'm going three. to pan to the right now. Cup. Book. Oh, it found a cup, cup that's actually on my desk with some water, cup. which I'm sipping when I'm uh, doing recording. So it's Book. found the cup. Book. Book. And now you hear lots and lots of books. That's because there's a bookshelf here. So it's telling me that there's a bookshelf there. If I pan to the right, where... Window, keyboard, table. That's exactly right. So there's a window, Window. there's a keyboard, and there's a table. That's because over here, there is the Mushroom FM computer, the one that powers Mushroom FM. So it's picking up the keyboard. If I just look a little further, it may well find the screen. Keyboard. Okay, certainly keyboard. getting the keyboard. Maybe Window. I just need to raise that up a little bit. And uh, it, I'm not I'm not detecting the screen, but it is there. Window. And now it's found the window on the left of me because there are a couple of windows in the studio. I've stood up now and I'm moving around the studio. 
Now I'm going to pan to where Window. the door is. Of course, I know where the door is in door, my door, door, own door. studio. Okay, there we door, go. Door, door. It's found door. the door right door. there, and it is straight ahead of me. What I'm going to do now is place a beacon on that door. This is a very real use case where you may go in for a meeting and you can door. mark the door, door as a beacon so door. you can find your way out. Door. Now, I'm going door. to flick around the screen. Channel okay. and place beacon button. Flick left. And there's place beacon. So I'll double tap. Place beacon heading. And we'll have a list of the objects that it's discovered so far. So I'll flick right. Done button. Detected objects. Screen one meter picker item adjustable one of 11. We'll flick through these 11 objects. Window two meters. Cup one meter. Door one meter. Now I'm not sure if that is the door that I need. I'll just keep going. Book, one meter, door, two meters. That sounds more like it, actually. Book, two meters. So I may have picked up one of the windows as a door. Book, two meters, door, two meters. I'm going to flick right. Start, button. And double tap. Menu, button. Now we have a beacon on the door. What that means is, and the door's in front of me right now, but if I move the camera to my right a bit, I'm doing it slowly, but you can hear that ever so slightly now, quite dramatically now actually, the door is moving to the left ear in the stereo spectrum. So I know that if I want to find the door, I need to move a little left. That's about dead center now. If I go a little bit further left, I'm too far. So, it's about center. I'm now gonna to proceed towards the door. I'm walking now. And it's getting a bit more excited. I'm almost at the door, and there we go. I get a tone door. right as door. I get to the door. Now, also, you can flick around the screen when you've placed a beacon, and it will tell you, at least for me in meters, I imagine it would be in imperial measurements of the United States, how far the item is away for which you've placed a beacon. I'm going to walk out of the door of the studio now. It's not often they let me outside the bubble. And um, do door. we? Yes. Okay. So there's a door to my left. That is a bedroom downstairs here. And so I'm going to keep walking down the corridor on the lower floor. Door. And there is a door. 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 There should be door. two. Yes. So there's a door opposite. And then it said door on the right ear. That's because there are two doors exactly door. there. So I'm going to walk up the stairs now. It doesn't appear to detect stairs at this point, which I thought it might, but I have never got it to say stairs. So window. we're walking up the steps and it's saying window. And that's not an unreasonable assumption because now we're at our front door and it's a really big sort of frosted glass type thing. I wonder if it recognizes the big recycling bin. No, it doesn't that we have right here by the front door. Okay, we're going to go up another flight of stairs now and get it to uh, where there's a lot of things that we can show you. Door. So there's a door, door. that's into door. our kitchen. So why don't we just do that? Oven. It's seeing the oven, which is quite some distance away, actually. Window. Pan around this the window. Oven. Window. Can we get the fridge? Maybe I'm too close to the fridge because we're right by the fridge. It's not saying refrigerator or fridge or anything for me, but we'll keep moving through the kitchen. Cup. 
Okay, it's uh, pretty likely that there are cups around the place. Bottle. Yep. Bottle. There is a microwave here as well, and I have heard it say cup, cup, microwave bowl, before. Bowl. Just looking at the sink cup. bench now. Okay, so got it. Yep. Got cups here. Now I'm going to move into the dining room area, and we should see the table, I would imagine, soon, and chairs and those sorts of things that you would expect in the dining room. Window. Table. Yep. Book. Not sure where it's seeing books, window. but yep. Uh, we've got a lot of window space and we're in the dining room, living room area now. Now we'll move into the living room area where there are lots of things. Share. Window. 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 Share. If I wanted to place a beacon on that chair. Proximity sensor button. Quick help button. Prox menu button. So I'll flick right. Quick help. Spatial summary. Place beacon button. Place beacon. Heading. Done. Button. Detected objects. Screen. 3 meters. Picker item. Adjustable. 1 of 28. So we've got a lot of stuff here. Now that it's gone through all these things that it's detected. Window. Cup. 3 Window. 3 meters. Table. 2 meters. Table. 2. Book. 2 meters. Book. 2. Book. 3 meter. Window. Th chair. 1 meter. There's the chair. Start. Button. So we'll start. Chair. Menu. Button. And it's placed a beacon on the chair. Now. I'm just going to move right away from that chair. Just move right away from it. And now I'm going to try and locate it. So, okay, I'm at the other end of the living room. The chair, according to this, is directly in front of me. In fact, let's see if we can hear the distance. Proximity sensor, quick help button, spatial summary, 3.3 meters. All right. I'll move forward. If I flick back, spatial saw 2.3 meters. Yeah, there we go, we're getting closer to it. Just get centered again. 1.3 meters. Yep. And chair. here we are, and I'm right at the point where I can sit on the chair. Screen. Screen. All right, well, that's not uh, unexpected because we've got the Samsung TV. Menu button. Demonstrated on this podcast before. So that's the screen that it will be screen. picking Window. up. And person. There are, person. I, don't, I, don't, I have no idea what it thinks as a person. It could person. possibly be the sound bar, <laughs> which is kind of long and, you know, maybe it thinks it's a person lying down or something. But there is no person in the room other than me. And if there is, they probably think I'm very weird because I've got a backpack full of audio equipment to do this. Person. So I'm wearing a backpack right now. All right. Let's just Book. continue to scan around. So there's the bookshelves. Door. And... There's a door going into a passageway door. for the bedrooms and bathrooms, so we'll get it to... There we go. Door. Door. Door is door. right door. there. And there's also a door on the right. That's what it's also seeing. So there are two doors quite close together. Now we're walking down another passageway. And on the left, we have... Window. Yeah, it's seeing a window and a door. chair and things. That's our gym. And um, there's not a lot of equipment that it recognizes in there at the moment. So we'll continue to walk through and we'll get to a bathroom door. shortly, which door. should be coming up on the right. Sink. Door. So we've got Sink. a door in front of me. Yep, that is true. Door. Yeah, and it's picking up one on the right as well. That's the one Sink. I want. Bottle. Door. Now, lots Sink. of Sink. things. Bottle. 
in the bathroom that bottle. it likes. Bottles sink. and bottle. sink. Bottle. Okay. Bottle. And there, uh, what have we got? Can it see the scale? Probably not. And does it detect the bathtub? It doesn't seem to. Bottle. There we go. So we've got a, an item sure. here. And there is a chair that it's seeing opposite here as sure. well. There is a chair, so that's, that's sure. correct. So now I'm going to start making my way back door. and we'll just see what else I can see. There is a door coming up on my right hand side. That's right. Also, of course, we do have this proximity sensor, which is vibrating. I've got that turned off at the moment because that's really quite difficult to demonstrate. But that does give you some indication about when you're in close proximity to objects that it may not necessarily recognize. But the big advantage of that is that you do know if you've got a clear path to travel on, which is kind of handy. All right, we'll keep moving. And we're coming up past the gym again. We're going the way we came. So we should hear that there's a door on the right hand side. Is it going to pick that up? It isn't going to pick that up. Sure. Okay. And it is seeing the chair in the living room. So now we're going down the stairs again. So I expect that we'll see Window. the big front door. There we go. And now we'll turn left and go down another flight of stairs. Door. And that's door. right. Is there a door directly in front? Yes, there is. Door. The garage door and another bathroom down here. So it's picking that up. Now I'll turn right and go down that corridor. We'll have a, that bedroom that we came to before. That should be coming up on the right. Is it going to pick that door. up? Yeah, uh, no, door. it's picking up the door in front of me. Door. And now... Sure. Door. We're going back into Chair. the studio and it's picking up Screen. chairs, screens, the bookshelf, Window. and Chair. it's all very busy Screen. Screen. in Keyboard. the studio. So that's a demonstration of seeing AI as we walk around Mosin Towers. The one control I didn't show you was a button that gives you a summary. So if you want to hear played back in the stereo spectrum all of the objects that seeing AI discovered, you can double tap that button. Some great stuff happening with uh, Microsoft and Seeing AI. It's available free from the iOS App Store. To contribute to Mosin at Large, you can email Jonathan, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, at mushroomfm.com by writing something down or attaching an audio file. Or you can call our listener line. It's a US number, 864-60-MOSIN. That's 864-606-6736. Mosin.